Hello and welcome to Red's Business and Technology Podcast. I'm your host, Jackson Barnes. I'm your co-host, Brad Ferris. And today we're sitting down with Chris Lowndes, who's the CFO of Hopgood Gammon. You might be familiar with the name. We had Stephen Hunwicks from Chris's team in earlier, uh, late last year, actually. Today we'll be covering off um, cyber risk, but also technology from a CFO's point of view uh, in a law firm. Chris, thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it. Did no you want to touch on, mate, your uh, background, what you did before you started Hopgood Gammon? Yeah, well, I've been around for a little while. I know that I can't speak for a ki- too much, too long on that, but uh, essentially I'm a chartered accountant. Um, I had the opportunity to do a bit of consulting work after, after being chartered, so it gave me a bit of an insight into um, you know, project management and, and, and managing people, all the softer skills. Um, and then I came back into, um, into accounting again and I've been working as a CFO in multiple different industries uh, for probably the last 20 years um, and spent the last six years at Hopgood Gannam as their their C- CFO, so it's been a it's been a pretty big ride for a for a simple chartered accountant. So. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Mm. So do you want to update us on um, Hopgood Gammon? What they've got go, uh, you know, going on in the last uh, three four months? Yeah, so Hopgood Gammon's a full full service law firm. So we've got, um, I guess, Brisbane's is our home base. So that's where we've got the most staff, most practitioners. We've got a, a smaller. Uh, branch over in Perth, but uh, yeah, we've been. Um, it's been it's been a tough last couple of months. I think all the professional services firm have found you know that post COVID period a little bit tougher. You know, COVID itself was a lot a lot less impactful than we had ever expected. Uh, mm. A lot better than the modelling had suggested. You know, we thought there was going to be a complete disaster coming our way, but it didn't actually turn out that way. Um, but the last couple of months for most professional services firms and legal firms have probably been a little bit tougher. Than we would have expected. So, and and Hopgood Ganim um, is, is seeing that as well. So a little bit, a little bit tighter in terms of our our fee expectations. Mm, okay. So, mm. um, so look, this episode we really want to get your insights on the cyber risk side from someone who you know I guess controls the budget of a big law firm and has controlled the budgets for a, a long time. Let's start with, uh, obviously there's been a lot of cyber breaches large scale that have happened late last year in Australia, like uh, Optus, Medibank and all those, and even um, around around Queensland, there was a university here recently and, and a school, that kind of thing. How, really want to get your point of view on this, how do management teams of uh, law firms look at cyber risk now compared to 12 months ago? Uh, significantly differently. I think what we've found is that um, Professional services firms and the legal industry have probably been behind a lot of other industries in just technology um, and using technology and implementing technology. So I think we're, we're slowly starting to, to pick, up, pick up speed on that particular area. But cyber cybersecurity is something that um, I think most law firms are now seriously looking at because of some of the impacts that we've seen on, on other law firms and how impactful a cyber breach, a data breach, on privileged information for clients can be for a law firm. You know, you talk about reputational damage and uh, financial damage, but um, yeah, significant. So I think law firms are really taking things quite seriously and, and Hopgood Gannam are obviously taking things quite seriously too. Mm. In comparison to 12 months ago, I mean, law firms have always hold, held personal information. Do you think just since the breaches recently, they've, uh, you've noticed in, in your firm that they've been even more serious than before? Absolutely. And one of the things that we're finding is that we're actually being pressed by, by clients 
and panels that we're we're looking to to get onto right. to improve our standards and the quality of the you know the um, I guess the the cyber protection and security that we have in place. So you know, not only is it us striving for better, but our clients are saying, well, hang on, if we want to deal with you, we want to make sure that we're dealing with a firm that's got the quality standards and the security measures in place to protect the data mm. and the information that we're providing. So and there's, there's pressure on a law firm from all angles to make sure that we're, we're, we're not only compliant, but we're providing um, you know, some security over, over clients' information. That's interesting. How, how are you articulating that risk back to maybe a panel you're trying to get on or a, a client when they question you on your cybersecurity, how you are, are you articulating that back to them? Yeah, well, they, they will actually lay out, you know, some of the some of the bigger banks, if we want to get on the panel, they'll be very specific about what they require. You know, ISO standards, Yep. they'll actually talk about and, and there'll be questionnaires and information that we need to provide back to them, which give them some information about what we're doing and the standard that we have. And if we're not at that standard, then there's an investment decision that the firm might need to take. You know, is the, is the likely fee that we might get from being on the panel and having this particular client in line with the cost and the risk that we're going to have to take on to get us up to that particular level. So, you know, there's decisions that we have to make as to how far we want to go with some of these some of these standards and requirements. Mm. Is it fit for our business or is it fit for a law firm that's four, five, six times the size of us, mm. um, that particular account? So we, we need to do that quite a bit and we've changed a lot because of some of those requirements. It's interesting. So there's a real commercial driver um, to be up to a certain par, if you like, around cybersecurity. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> We've noticed that as well. I think um, <coughs> we're doing some work for a, a business um, with a head office in Queensland and um, uplifting their cybersecurity. And they said they're actually going to put on their proposals um, that they're you know backed by this kind of technology and this level of cybersecurity. So mm. uh, it's strange how that's changing from uh, you know, mm. just the burden into potentially another... Commercial opportunity. Yeah, commercial opportunity coming out of yeah. it. So for law, law firms in particular, what what is the risk? Why are law firms such a big risk from cybersecurity? Yeah, well, I've just mentioned pr- the privileged client information that we mm. have. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I was actually going to mention was from my perspective, um, and I've read a little bit about, you know, the different types of cyber cyber threats that are there. There's really, in my mind, there's really two. One is more important for me and my team than probably the, the main one that everyone thinks about. So there's the, there's the cyber, cyber attack which comes through your systems. Someone hacks in, uh, drops malware on and takes your systems down. But there's also the other... The other side of, of, of a cyber attack, which is the, which is where a criminal or, a, or a, uh, an organisation use technology to get into your, your systems and they use it as a tool. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about emails, you know, fraudulent emails, um, malicious actors, which pretend to be someone that uh, they're not, you know, your boss or – so that sort of – So kind know, of the, social engineering. Or business email compromise. Yeah, and yeah. From, from my perspective as a CFO of the organisation – and in my team, you know, law firms do. Um, you know, we've got large trust accounts. We have mm. a lot of lot of funds that we yeah, yeah. we uh, have to manage. Uh, we take direction from our clients as to how to use that. We've got regulations that we need to follow. So we need to be really careful. There's a lot of lot of lot of funds that are, are moved around within a law firm. So, you know, what keeps me up at night is probably less. We've got IT people that know their stuff at Hopgood Gannam. Uh, they have some plans, and we'll probably talk a little bit about that anyway. But from my perspective, it's the it's the weak link in the organisation that lets an email through, mm. or clicks on a link, um, or accepts a you know a fraudulent invoice which has been intercepted along the way, and the banking details change, and we inadvertently pay a large sum of money to someone that 
we shouldn't have been paying it to. Mm. Um, you know, that's that's a risk that we're, and we've got controls obviously around that, which hopefully I'll be able to give you some, some comfort around because <laughs> we do that well. But yep. that's the sort of stuff that, that, that I think about, you know, because mm. it's my team that are processing, my team that yep. are looking at the internal controls and my job to make sure that the organisation understands and is aware um, that this is this is pretty important mm. and we need to get it right. Let's unpack that a little bit. So I do agree that um, like phishing emails and uh, business email compromise, the language used now compared to five years ago is so much better than anything, so much more sophisticated. Yep. Where it was pretty broken English like five years ago, for example. Yep. What's your team doing? Like, what policies? Is it just the, the call if there's a, any change in, in um, banking details sent through? Or what, what are the kind of things that you, you would advise other businesses or people who run the finance arm yeah. to put in place? Yeah, the, it's interesting you, you talked about the terminology and that was mm. probably one thing that reduced how um, you know, senior management boards and directors, how serious they took cyber threats and, and cyber security, you know, because the, the terminology was just, you know, stuff that people just didn't understand mm. and it was changing on a regular basis. So you, when you want awareness and you want people to really take notice and take some action, you know, to have, have you know, information and, and technology and descriptions, which no one really understands, we'll probably talk about that in due course as well. Yeah. It's hard to get your head around it if you're not an IT person and then to take it seriously, that's another level altogether. Mm-hmm. So we... Probably a couple of years ago, um, and a lot of a lot of the internal controls that have, that I've driven and we've implemented without throughout the firm, actually came from our insurers. So our insurers drive a lot of this themselves because they know and they see the risks that happen in other firms in the area. So they will often um, talk about the standards that they require as our our client, uh, a client that's that's taken um, cover, they will actually come to us and say, look, we expect there's a certain standard or quality of control um, that we we expect you as our as our, our covered party need to have within your organisation. And we expect you to have that as part of the, you know, the the, um, the overall plan. So, you know, they, they came in and, and gave all of our staff um, training. So all of our staff go on regular training that's put on by our insurer, Lexon. Um, really put on cybersecurity training. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, they'll cool. talk about password controls. They'll talk about um, uh, when you get an email, what to look for in an email. How can you tell that an email is not, you know, is a phishing email as opposed to a, a real email? So there's really practical stuff. And uh, I tell you what, when you leave one of those sessions, you're looking at your emails. So <laughs> there's things that you can you can look out for. So is that a structured program, or they'll come in quarterly, something like that? It's very structured. Okay. So everyone in the firm will sign off to say that they've done the training. As I said, it's the weakest link. It's the person yeah, in the, the organisation yeah. that gets the email doesn't realise that it's it's not from from someone in the organisation or from one of our clients or a, or a supplier. Opens the email, clicks on a link. You know, and, and can open us up for, for some exposure. Yeah, seventy five percent of threats in Australia last year were let in by someone clicking a link or you know, yeah. forwarding email or paying something they, they shouldn't have. So mm. that's definitely the the weakest link. Um, that, that's that's interesting though because we recommend uh, cyber awareness programs and training for our clients, but and typically internal IT teams do recommend that as well. So. Uh, that's that's um, different angle. I've heard the I've heard that before actually. Yeah, I haven't heard the that before. The insurance company yeah. doing yeah. it. So is that built training. into a premium or is that an add-on? Mm. No, it's just an add-on. What what it right. helps the insurer to do is reduce the, the potential risk. for claim. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So if we can be doing our best to ensure that we're addressing threat and risk, then it reduces the potential for them to. And we work together on. So that's that's just around the 
the, the cyber security, but we also work from a professional perspective to ensure yes. that our indemnity cover is is being managed by the way our practitioners work with their clients. So mm. there's checklists that they provide and, you know, as a law firm, we need to make sure everyone's working at a, at a particular standard, not only to to deliver the service and the advice that the client wants, but also to make sure that reputational and, and from a from an insurance perspective, we're doing everything we can to ensure that the you know, the firm's protected as well. So cyber insurance, mm. um, I'd like to get your thoughts on cyber insurance, um, not, not just for Upgood Gammon, but for other businesses as a, yep. as a CFO, because obviously that helps mitigate risk really is what it does. Yep. Um, would you advise all businesses take cyber insurance or what, in what scenario would you not advise? Yeah, it's an interesting question. We, we talked a little bit beforehand, you know, 20 mm. years ago, cyber insurance was just something. I remember being at um, one of the previous companies I worked at 15 years ago and as a board um, and having directors that really didn't have an IT background at all, as soon as the, the discussion around cyber security came up, it didn't last very long. <laughs> one, it was just outrageously expensive. No one really understood the risk properly um, and it was dismissed really quickly, you know, and, and our IT department at the time couldn't translate the level of risk that was involved and, you know, it was just dismissed and probably the client that, that Brad knows as well <laughs> yeah. from way back. Um, so, yeah, it's changed dramatically because what people have seen is the impact that a threat and an attack can actually have on an organisation. It's taken a lot more seriously now. Mm. So you think today it's going to receive pretty well amongst boards and management teams? Oh, absolutely. Insurance? Yeah, yeah. We, we talked about, you know, possibly talk about ASX listed companies and the, and the boards and the, the responsibility that directors have. You know, cybersecurity is now up there as one of those those key risks that directors need to need to uh, be aware of um, and ask enough questions to uh, cover off their duty of care as directors. Mm. You, know, you can't use the old "well, I didn't understand it and I just relied on my IT manager to to tell me what needed to be done." Uh, as a director, you've got to do a little bit more than that. Yeah, you've actually got to ask the questions you need to ask so that you can understand the ramifications and the you know potential issues that might come to the company. So, what helped you understand the cyber risk or the threat over the years? Um, what do you think really helped you? Yeah, I um. What, what I tend to do is I've, I've normally have a pretty good relationship with the uh, the IT team, in particular the CIO or the, the IT. So having it, and I'm not an IT professional, but mm. I can sit down and I can ask the questions of my IT manager, IT director, and get some comfort from them that one they they've got a they've got a handle on it. You know, they're using the right sort of consultants to help them. Yep. You know, if they don't know everything, they've got consultants that do. Um, you know, and uh, and the responses that they they can provide give me some comfort that. When something happens, we're going to be okay, or they've they've actually considered it. It's an area that is constantly changing, mm. and our systems and network are constantly changing. And there's exposure. Whenever you implement a new system, a new application, new module, is there another avenue that someone can come in from ex- externally and be able to get into the into the system? So I like to hear that my, the IT guys are on our big projects. If we're implementing a new system, they've seen before we even start, and we start opening up our systems to up up and uploads and downloads and new applications, they've actually thought through the implications for, for firewalls and our networks so, and asked the right questions. It's another attack surface, right, if you get something else uh, new in place. Um, that's something something that we see is internal IT teams, um, especially as smaller businesses, maybe not so much Hopgood Gammon, really do struggle with 
having cybersecurity in, in their wheelhouse because, mm. you know, if you've got just an IT manager and one or two offsiders, it's quite hard to have someone who's an expert in networking, you know, PCs, Microsoft 365 or any cloud applications or infrastructure as well as cybersecurity. It's just, it's just a lot. So um, I'm glad you mentioned to definitely seek external advice if you haven't got that skill set internally. Um, make sure that your IT team has got the, the right advice. On yeah. that same kind of rung, um, Something we've seen is technology and cybersecurity from a budgeting point of view are getting really separate. You know, there's all, all the hardware and there's um, the, the basic cybersecurity things you need, like firewalls and antivirus and those kind of things. And you've got your cyber insurance policy. If, if you know, it gets to become a problem, you can enact that to help mitigate risk. But in between that is the more operational piece, people actually looking at your data and or, yep. or, or hiring um, security analysts internally yep. or what's called a SOC, a security operations center. Mm-hmm. Um, as that's really really evolving recently. What's your thoughts on having a, a different technology budget to a different cyber budget? I think it, it, it comes back to two key points. One is accountability for the cost and responsibility for the cost. And the second thing is, um, I guess, the level of cost associated with it and, um, and how much uh, risk management is, is key to the organisation. I, and I say the three because um, they're important in, in, in the way that your budgeting is set up. Um, the way our budgeting is set is that we have, we have that, that cost spread across a lot of different, different cost centres because we've got an IT manager that, that will cover penetration testing, the costs associated with getting advisors and consultants in to test the system. He will also have um, all the systems on his budget. He will have a CapEx budget. Um, We'll have the insurance component for cybersecurity, which will be on our COO's budget because okay. that's what he manages and looks after. You know, I'll have a component of of um, of some of the some of the, the the IT capacity on my budget. We'll have the learning and training on our learning and development uh, project budget. So we we, we not that's normally the way budgets are set. So that you've got someone who's got the responsibility for that spend, actually managing the cost and managing the way that it it, it moves forward and can and have a have a hand in, in controlling the spend as well. Mm. As an organisation moves forward and the bigger it gets, if you have something like a chief risk officer, sometimes what you'll find is that all of those elements will be bundled in together and will be under the chief risk officer's responsibility because they're responsible for the risk and managing the risk. So they'll have the insurance component. They'll also do the testing on different areas of risk. They'll manage a risk register. So yep. it becomes their responsibility and it's their budget component. And we're not at that level yet, but we're moving rapidly towards having a dedicated risk manager and our budget system will probably change to reflect that. Have you personally uh, increased your budget? I know it's spread across multiple arms by the sounds of it, you know, some to the IT manager, some to the risk manager. Mm. Have you increased your cyber budget in the last few years with everything going on? Yeah, and one of the things that the now, you know, we don't have directors. We've got – our owners are our equity partners um, and then we've got specific committees that uh, would, would do the same sort of thing as a board would do. Mm. Uh, one of the things that is really easy to get your head around is this this idea about penetration testing, to have someone come in externally and actually test your system and see whether it would withstand some external pressure coming towards. And it's not just the IT often sending emails to each other and checking the, the firewall. But it's also practical things like, you know, having someone come in to reception area and ask if they can use, you know, I'm a client, I would just want to use your meeting room, you know, and someone allowing them to go into a meeting room where you've got laptops and you've got other IT equipment, you know, or, or dropping a, you know, crazy scenario, dropping a USB stick in the in the lift as you're coming up and wondering, seeing whether there's a Hopgood Ganim staff member is going to pick up the 
pick up the USB mm, stickers to get in. into their <laughs> laptop. All those practical you don't think about, but they're things that you need to take fairly. That physical side of the the cyber threat as well, um, mm. you have to take into account. So it's interesting to sit down and talk about that. And that, that budget seems to be something everyone gets gets a. It's a practical thing. People can say, oh, good, someone's going to test it and make sure that what our IT guys have been doing and the consultants is actually going to work. So that tangible that tangible piece, is, is that an easier, I don't know, what's a good term? Like is that an easier sell to the executive, yeah, to the leadership team? Pretty, you can talk about that. I can yeah. talk about that. Yeah. I could sell that. Yeah, look, and that's, and that's so interesting. It makes so, sense. Yeah, so it's in, in, in some of the preamble because, um, again, Hop would get a different structure, bigger Bigger business, if you like, law firm, different risks. Um, you know, and something we've talked about outside of this forum is around smaller businesses, um, and again, not 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 micro businesses, but mm. SMEs, um, handful of directors, generally owner directors, um, lots of competing information, lots of competing ways to to spend your money. What is the best way to understand? Um, the real risks of cyber, um, and that's an interesting point that you mentioned about um, the tangible aspect, because mm. um, it is a journey for them to understand, mm. to make it tangible. Something so intangible to make it tangible. So mm. I think that's a good tip for boards nowadays. Um, it's technology is so important to your business now. It, it runs through so many different areas of your business. It comes up in so many decisions that boards need to make. Um, you know, the larger companies will, will quite often have a director that's got specific IT skills and technical skills. So if something comes up, they've got someone around the table that can actually talk the talk and understand what consultants yep. are saying, you know. So um, the smaller businesses possibly don't have the ability to do that and they've, they've generally got people that understand the industry or understand their business around the table. So when things like cybersecurity and cyber threats come up, it's really difficult for them to, to process and understand and have the awareness that oh, this is this is why it's important. This is why we need to spend some money to get there. So, you know, your experience, you, you've been a CFO and responsible for finance for a long time. Um, risk management being a big part of that, and you, I know you're big on risk management. What's your what's your strategy internally on how do you look at risks? So let's say you have an internal IT team who comes to you and says, "Hey, we want this new tool because it's going to help mitigate our cyber risk by, by whatever percent, for example." Um, What's the process you go through internally to decide whether you're going to invest X Y Z dollars on X Y Z solution? Yeah, well, depending on the depending on the size of the spend and the nature of the spend, we have business cases. I want a business case prepared. So, you know, if it's if it's a large spend, then we're not going to spend anything until we understand what's the what the need is. Why is it a need? How much is it going to cost? Have you gone out to the market to compare? You know, that same particular product from with other suppliers. Um, how long is it going to take to implement? Um, and what's the benefit that we're going to get from implementing it? So there's a whole lot of questions that we will run through, and most organisations will, before they actually put pen to paper and actually agree to sign off. And it's it's normally up to the person putting the business case together to actually ensure that they answer those questions. And if they don't, it goes back and they have to come back again with the, the updated mm. business case. So there's, you know, depending on the size of the investment, there'll be a lot of other, you know, preparatory requirements before any approvals provided on that and that's you know I'll I'll have my section of the, the business case that I'll ask for for information and they'll ask me to provide information about you know how we're going to fund it and how long mm. the funding is going to be and what's the benefit that we're going to get so when you do that um, you've got uh, a CIO at Hopgood Gammon yeah um, who you basically push back on him saying go get me a business case 
for this. Yeah, help me with all the IT stuff because I've got no idea about the jargon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll help you with the finance side and <laughs> yep. together we'll put together a business case. But I've yeah. also got to understand from him, why do we need to invest? So he's, mm. got to, he's got to get that across the line with me first and then we'll work together to put together the business case and present it to to the owners. I think one of the real problems in the like, right now is that some CFOs don't have someone internally they can go to that um, you know, is a CIO or an IT manager has any expertise Technical in that. Technical translator. So, mm. Yeah, it's it's quite hard. Some CFOs are just like, I'm also responsible for technology. And I, I see it in businesses that have 60 employees. The, you know, the CFO is still the person yeah. who has to have the IT knowledge yep. and then go back to a board meeting or a management meeting and go, oh, well, uh, this is the, the options we got to help them to get this Look, risk. It's a, it's a big problem at the moment. Um, it's a really big problem, right? Like the cyber needs to be seen as an existential risk for businesses. However, smaller businesses that don't have the CIO, that don't have mm. that internal translator, are are, re- are are relying on third-party advice. And there's, yes. there's always an – always. Generally, there's an element of distrust for whatever reason um, with a third party. And that's when, yes. okay, you might, get, you get, might get multiple advice. But again, if you're paying for advice, this kind of advice from then three people, that's three times the cost. So you're kind of in this – yeah. catch situation so uh, look uh, we don't have the we don't know what it is like this is a kind of a new frontier <laughs> not a new frontier but a, a, a newish frontier where lots of people are facing uh, increasing risk increasing challenges threat actors are more sophisticated mm. cyber is out there it is happening mm. um, what we're seeing you know from the technical side I almost want to say it's a question of when not if you're going to deal with something and if mm. you don't have the right controls and solution in place mm. Look out! This could be, you know, business-ending kind of stuff. Um, so, communicating that to business owners when they don't have that person internally um, is really—it's really a big issue at the moment. Um, and I guess that's the struggle we have really at Red. Even is 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 really translating that to business owners is that you need to take this. This, this mm. seriously. Um, and you so almost need an intermediary yeah. in the middle that can translate it for you. <clears throat> so what would you do, Chris, um, if you didn't have a CIO but you were – you knew there was a big gap whether it was um, you know, or the way that your team does authentication or you maybe do, that does backup, for example, and you need to get advice for it but you didn't have a CIO, what would you do? I'd be, I'd be coming to you guys and saying I need a managed service because mm. things change so quickly. Mm. Even if you're an, a CIO in an organisation, it's really difficult to keep up. On, you know, I know our CIO, he, he relies quite a bit on, on third-party consultants to help him and, and give him some advice, help him with strategy. Mm. You know, they can pick up the phone and bounce questions off of. You know, it's like a CFO, you know, it's uh, trying to keep up with, you know, the legal and tax changes. You know, I, I rely on accountants and my advisors, tax and accounting advisors to help me with my job on a regular basis. I just can't keep in touch with everything. It's It's probably triple fold for a CIO trying to trying to keep in, in touch. Mm. Quite often, um, larger organisations, it actually works the opposite way. Senior management find it difficult to be able to get things across the line without having a consultant say, yes, I agree with them. <laughs> so it works the other way too. <laughs> yeah, so, right. you know, I, we've, we've heard from Chris. Yeah, he's, 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 he's already presented a couple of business cases. Does he really know what's going on? <laughs> but I'll bring in a consultant with me or an advisor and we both – present uh, it makes a big impact mm. and you know like even even with us uh, you know I have this conversation often with businesses and we don't know it all either we're 50 odd 
team. And as you said, technology changes so much and there's so mm. many different facets and there's so many different configurations and there's so many different technologies and pieces of hardware and they all interconnect and interoperate. And uh, why we've gone the way we've gone, like our security services are with a partner as well because they have thousands of people. They have thousands of customers they look at. They see all the vulnerabilities across the world and they can distill that knowledge down um, to all their clients because you just you cannot keep on top of this. And I think this is what people don't understand. There is a lot of people out there in a lot of countries in the world who just want to take what you've got and shut your business down and take your money. And it is a lot of work um, to stay ahead of them and you're just not going to be able to do it on your own. So some stats out there say that uh, <clears throat> last year 59% of businesses experienced some kind of cyber threat whether mm. it was a just a business email compromise a, through to a full ransomware attack uh, which is quite scary and just to extrapolate your point Brad I think yeah, you're dead right that um, you know our, our partner in, in, in the managed cyber security sp- space they look at so many different environments and as a, as a managed IT provider or technology success partner we see a lot of environments. I think it'd be really hard these days for an internal IT team, which is managing one environment with a you know a handful of guys, to be fully across the changes that are happening with cybersecurity. Oh, look, I, don't, so I don't know how you would. I don't know how you would do it. Look, mm. and I, I'm I'm the least technical in this business. And uh, when the guys actually open up and show me all the knocks on the door, if you like, at the perimeter that are actually happening every day. Yep. You know, thankfully, ninety nine point nine percent of them don't get through. Yep. But geez, there's a lot of knocks. Yeah, there is a lot of knocks on the door. A sobering discussion to have is sit down with your CIO and say, last weekend, how many, how many, how many attacks came in and were stopped yeah. at the network? Yeah. It would, it's, it's fascinating. It's scary, mm. but it's fascinating because you know it, it also shows that we're doing something right. You know, these attacks aren't getting through, but the number of attacks which come are just surprising. The number of emails I get on a daily basis that if yeah. I pushed a button to launch something, I'm sure a skull and crossbones would come up before <laughs> I get, you know, and hop good ganem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they love CFOs. Yeah, they, they do. They target mm. – and it's and – they, They're like money. Keys to the yeah, castle. Well, they, they, money, right? I've, I've, had, I've had specific emails come through that have been purportedly from my boss yeah. asking for payments to be made. And they've got the right project that we're working on at the moment. They've got my boss's name. Wow. They've got because they come in and they they well as far as I know, I'm not I'm not an IT person, but they'll come in and they won't they won't go they'll, they'll come in and they'll see and they'll track history, they'll track the way things are done, they'll track the way that you who li, you liaise with, and they'll probably see. So they're sitting there. They don't act. So they look for they look for trends yeah, they and the way things are, and then mm. they send this beautifully crafted email talking about a project which is actually going on where payments are being made they'll use your boss they'll use some of the language that they'll offer and uh, it was only it, I remember it came through and I was out I was out shopping I think and I saw it come through and I thought that's strange there's no way my boss would ask for a payment like this he's as yeah. stingy as <laughs> <laughs> not my current boss alright do, do, do I need he's to cut that bit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> you can leave it here <laughs> it's probably three or four businesses ago and I remember thinking that's quite odd that he's done that and I called him fortunately mm. I called him and uh, he said no I haven't done that and mm. I just realised how sophisticated you know this uh, this could be so I'm always I mean. always always attentive and I'm I'm getting emails on a regular basis mm, people just trying to get something out so if I'm getting them and the rest of the team I think they say that the the weakest link is sometimes the senior managers who are the ones that should know better they're the ones that'll cut corners mm. do things a little bit differently to get the job done 
they should know better. It's possibly not the junior people. It's 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 or, more the you senior know, flip people. Flip side, under pressure, under stress, mm. need to get things done. Yep. Lapse of judgment. Um, better pay that four million dollar <laughs> check, hadn't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Trouble. <laughs> yeah, I think gone are the days of the broken English, uh, you know, fishing yeah, attack uh, where you know just as you, you pay this invoice, I have changed bank detail. Uh, no more of that. It's really very sophisticated, sophisticated now. Yeah, which is quite scary. What are some of the things as a CFO um, that help you sleep at night? Uh, a good discussion with my CIO. <laughs> yeah. and he's answering some of my questions. is pretty helpful. Yeah. Um, I really, I think the training which uh, Lexon has on a on a on a on a you know semi semi regular basis is excellent. Mm. Um, I think having a culture whereby the organisation understands the risk and is aware of the risk um, is important. Internal controls that actually do the job. So we've got mm. internal controls that my team uh, look at. It took a little while for us to get the organisation to to step up to that. You know, verbal mm. checking of bank accounts. You know, so that if we're if we're paying out dollars over a particular value, we actually pick the phone up and we say, "Just want to check the bank account that you've given us is the right one." So that's that's make that, a note. that's on a threshold or on a sample basis. There's or? a there's a threshold that we have there, um, and we'll do it. And the whole organisation is aware of it now. When yeah. we first pushed it out, it was quite difficult for people to. You want us to do that every time we make a payment over X dollars? Yes, we do, because mm-hmm. I don't want you coming back to me and saying you paid it, <laughs> you got the <laughs> yeah. problem. So there's a lot of reliance on people doing their job, and my people doing their job too. Yeah, it's definitely good advice to enforce a cybersecurity um, culture. So some of the ways that you, uh, I guess, create that cyber conscious culture is mm. that through the cyber awareness training. Is there another method you you do to help uh, get everyone more aware? We communicate. There's this specific training that that uh, that we have. Have and we'll talk, we'll talk to practitioners as well. We'll go around and talk to them about a new internal control or a new form that we've got, and talk to them about the reasons for that, and then hold them accountable. So we just won't process a, a payment unless it's been done correctly. Um, but it's really important to make sure they understand the reason behind that because it's an impost that we put on our practitioners to to get it right. But once they understand and they've got some idea or some of the examples where things haven't gone wrong, they, they generally step up. Mm. So you create policies and then you actually go and speak one-on-one to you know everyone in your finance team about enforcing those policies actually happen to make sure you're protected? Well, absolutely. Everyone mm. in my team has to has to be aware of them and has to make sure that they're, they're done. Mm. You know, if we get a payment request through, we want to see certain things have been completed on the request form before we process it. Once we process it, we're the last one to touch it. Yeah. We're the winger on the football team yeah. that's got to score the try. We're normally the last in the line. So if, <laughs> yeah. if we get it wrong... Big trouble. Mm, yeah. Definitely. Brad, any other questions you have for Chris before we close out? Um, oh, look, we could talk for ages, but uh, look, I think I think, I think we need to talk to your CIO as well <laughs> yeah. to validate some of this stuff. Um, the whole Hopgood Gammon team on here soon if we keep going. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> a couple look, of us. <laughs> oh, look, is it relevant for this podcast? But, you know, just out of curiosity, so obviously you do have, um, you know, we've talked to Stephen, um, you do have a... Uh, you know, probably a different level of insight onto what into what's going on in the world due to the nature of some of the work you do. Um, has there been any examples of, hey, we just saw this, we might want to think about this. Uh, we just saw this out in the market. We might want to think about this internally. Um, so I guess what am I saying? Maybe knowledge sharing. Um, obviously, there's privacy, etc. But um, yeah, do you do you, are there things that you see happening kind of out in the market that 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 you guys will then bring internally to implement? Yeah, yeah. We, you know, each of the each of the, um, I guess, the back office managers 
Uh, we have our own own little little um, areas of expertise and people that we talk to at other firms, and you, know, you also get some some good learnings as well from some of the other firms that have that have been been breached or attacked. And you know, unfortunately for them, others will use <laughs> their story as an example for for what not to do and how to you know. Just before the before the podcast, we talked about some examples, and you know, back in as early as 2017, there was a, a global a global uh, legal firm that, uh, you know, just simple stuff, you know, had a payroll, and, you know, they've got offices all over the world. They had a payroll system being um, implemented and uh, some malware was uploaded with the upgrade and, um, you know, they didn't have their firewall set up. They'd been told about firewalls. Their, their, you know, their MS office upgrade or their, their patch hadn't been loaded for, for some time. They knew that it had to be loaded. Mm. And, uh, you know, this, this malware got in and within 90 minutes, it had infiltrated every office around the globe. Um, they had to go out to all their clients very quickly and say, well, you can't contact us via email or landline. We just can't do it. We've shut down our systems. Mm. And that same firm, even today, that's, that's 2017, they're still working through some of the issues that, really? uh, that were impacted by, that, by that, uh, that scenario. So just some pretty simple things there. It's not, it's I, not too I think too that involved. was a, a very good example of take it very seriously because it can happen and if it does happen it's not fun why do you think businesses don't take that advice when they know stuff's not patched firewalls are configured not properly there is a cyber risk there sure they have an internal IT team or a managed IT partner who's um, like telling them this right why do you think that they're not fixing these issues sometimes they don't know it's a risk sometimes mm-hmm. they don't know they've got a weakness in a particular area you know um that's why that, that penetration testing and having someone external looking at your system and getting a report from them to say, hey, we found these weaknesses and these are the areas that you need to plug. So there's weaknesses coming up all the time. People mm. are doing, you know, the criminals are doing different things to try and try and get around, finding loopholes every every day, every week. There's something new that's coming up. So, you know, there's the old saying, you don't know what you don't know. Um, mm. That's why having third parties coming in and helping us with, with finding the holes and plugging the gaps is so important. Yep. So you get like annual uh, penetration testing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's something that gives us some comfort. Mm. You know, we're never told when the email comes out that it's going to be the <laughs> the one, but it's important to know that people are recognising that's a problem email, and no one's doing anything about it in a controlled in a controlled way. Mm. No, I think that's I think that's a really good takeaway. Actually, just that independent review, audit, assessment, penetration testing, whatever you want to call it, focusing on cyber security, making making it tangible, making it real clearly articulating the risks and giving you kind of an action slash remediation plan to, to implement, you know, I think at a minimum these days, any business, small, medium or large, needs to go through that exercise to just understand understand the risks at least. Yeah. Whether you action or not, that's, your, that's up to you, but at least you know and you understand. Well, you know, when it happens, <coughs> as, as, as we were talking about earlier, it's, it's one of the worst things going for a small business. Yeah. If you're attacked and you've got ransomware, you can take your business out. Yeah, yeah, even if you have cyber insurance, right, there's still the reputation hit. That, yeah, um, that's right. You can't really recover from or it takes a while to re- recover from. Mm. I think definitely even if you have a CIO or don't have a CIO, you should definitely get uh, penetration testing or some kind of annual kind of review done from a third party, someone who's not going to be you know biased to what their knowledge internally, yeah. uh, which I guess is the big gap right now is that you know, CFOs, internal teams, there's always going to be yeah. gaps in knowledge. And, you know, on the example that Chris mentioned, mm. you know, the artifacts can stay in the data you might not potentially ever fully cleanse your data from from the artifacts. So, mm. you know, 
take it seriously up front because it's it's it can be bad, and I guess we're all talking from experience here. So yeah, mm. and I don't think we hear nearly half as many of the the cyber attacks that are really going on. You know, a, a company, an organisation needs to make a call whether they make it public as well. There's some laws yeah. that require to to. To, to make things public if the if the impact of that data breach is significant. Mm. Um, you know, ASF listed companies, Brad's probably aware of, have got continuous disclosure mm. requirements. You know, if you if you know something's material, you've got to do more than just tell your clients. You might actually have to go to the market <laughs> yeah. and make an announcement and talk about potential you know, impacts on your on your share price and values. There's some boards have got some pretty big calls to make if it does happen. So yeah. and they can't stop it from happening, but they can certainly ensure that they've got strategies and mitigation plans in place to minimise the impact if it does. Yeah, I think finally, um, well, it's a good thing that there's fines in place now, but it's good from an awareness point of view that since the large breaches late last year, the, the penalties are getting, uh, I guess, larger on directors just so there is that, that awareness. Hopefully they don't get enforced and crush individual people, uh, like directors of businesses, but it is good that that helps with awareness, I guess, as well. So, all right, Chris, thanks for coming on. Uh, conscious of your time. Pleasure. Really appreciate your insights. It was really good to hear um, CFO's point of view on how the cyber risk landscape has changed over the years. So, man, really appreciate it. No problems at all. Good to talk to you guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Cheers.